So this is Lepa's Brenna corner, but also it's it's like a, a corner of like few different things from 80s. One of them is Yugo car. That's like like a Yugoslav made uh, car in in Zastava in Kragujevac, which is like another very symbol of typical symbol of Yugoslavia. Next to it is a clock from Sarajevo '84, which is Sarajevo Olympics. Uh, here uh, we have like this ashray that's called Biljana, and it's for 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 like a like a powder for 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 a washing machine. It's a very kitschy. Yeah, we can have a stop by this plastic bag that I framed because it it shows like the department store of of Yugoslavia and its original plastic bag from from then made by Yugo Plastica. So so yeah, and Tito is here that we already mentioned before. This is a very typical orange phone that like this color is very typical of 70s anywhere. So, so yeah, and all these things are, of course, made in Yugoslavia. That's Mario Milakovic giving me a tour of a one-bedroom apartment that's part of Yugodom. A guest house or a stayover museum, which is completely uh, created as a tribute to, to Yugoslav design, cinema, and a working class. Which he created and manages in the center of Belgrade. During my most recent visit in Serbia's and formerly Yugoslavia's capital, I stayed in a studio apartment that's adjacent to the unit where he and I spoke and toured. I am Peter Korchnak, and this is Remembering Yugoslavia, the show that explores how the people of that disappeared country remember their former homeland. In this episode of Remembering Yugoslavia, I'll talk to Mario Milakovic about Yugodom, Yugoslav design and tourism. A young pioneer cap, a red passport, and a Yugoslav Tutsi will also make an appearance. If you like what you hear, support the Remembering Yugoslavia podcast on Patreon at patreon.com slash rememberingyugoslavia. I first asked Mario about the inspirations and motivations for Yugodom. My concept when I started the whole thing was that every, and everything that is displayed here is made in Yugoslavia. Uh, of course, apart because it's 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 also guest house. Another thing that was important for me is that that feels comfortable for people. So of course we have air conditioner, has central heating, Wi-Fi, comfortable mattresses, and things like this are obviously new. But all the all the chairs, sofas, credenzas, and all the little objects that are displayed around, including the building itself, windows and and the doors and stuff, everything is from Yugoslavia. The reason why there are actually a couple of reasons. Uh, first, I'm I'm a big fan of mid-century modern design in general, so including the the, the one that came from Yugoslavia, and I, I wanted to do something that reflects a local community and and the local environment. Like I I didn't want to inspire myself like as as it is very common nowadays in Serbia to to just replicate the concepts that already exist in like Paris, New York. I, I just thought it, it's interesting and inspiring for me as a designer to to find my inspiration just around me and also something that, that's been part of my life. I, I haven't got to live in Yugoslavia too much. I was born there and I was eight years old when Yugoslavia fell apart. But this kind of furniture and design kind of continued to live with us in, in the homes. So, so, so it's something that remained a bit longer. Mid-century modern is older age these days. I like mid-century modern because it's very, like, aesthetically. Mm, I, I just like it. And, and also, like, in a sense of a function, it, it, it's very easy to maintain. It's easy to move things around. And, and just the fact that these pieces are made in 50s, 60s, few of them in 70s. 
and they still uh, live and and serve its function. It just says it 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 it's a very good quality, which like we cannot really say for most of furniture we buy nowadays. Where did you buy all this stuff? I'd imagine you're a frequent shopper at Area Buvidux. Yeah, the sources were just like many different sources, as you already mentioned, Buvidux or flea markets. Uh, also, a few things we actually did had in in our family. Uh, so at first, I put that in. Then, yeah, I, I went online, like like different websites, like like local version of eBay and stuff. But most of the stuff I did find in flea markets and kind of secondhand shops or just ads, like people sell the stuff of like all their grandparents or something they have for a long time in the family, but they just want to change. So yeah, it, it was a very long ongoing process then went on for a couple of years actually about the interludes in this episode of remembering yugoslavia i thought why not intersperse a conversation about a place with objects made in yugoslavia with 1980s commercials for products made in yugoslavia to watch these and many more head over to youtube and search for yugoslavia reklame this one is for the day-to-day medical toothpaste Before we met, I asked if you could bring with you an object that you most associated with Yugoslavia. You brought a young pioneer cap, part of a young pioneer uniform. Why this cap? The reason is that I was, in a way, lucky to be a pioneer because uh, last generation that, that got to be to have this experience was born in 1982. And I'm born in 1983, and the, the only reason why I was like able to be a pioneer because I was born in the beginning of the year, and then my parents enrolled me one year year earlier to school. Uh, so yeah, it's it's uh, other people in, in 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 this region who are born 83 or later, they didn't got the chance. So I kind of feel really like super lucky that that I that I got that. And it was just like a moment of of of, of a pride of every kid back then. So, so it's just it's it's a nice memory, and and I'm happy I, I kept mine all this time that it didn't go lost anywhere. And it's now it's exactly thirty years old. Tell me, what do your parents think about Yugodome and your passion for Yugoslav design? They lived in the former Yugoslavia much longer than you, obviously. My parents uh, are, of course, yeah, they like the whole story and everything around it. But in, in a sense of Yugoslavia, they are very, very realistic. So I wouldn't call them, neither myself, I would call Yugo nostalgic. They're just, they enjoy the times back then. Things just change and, and they, had to, they had to adjust to the new circumstances. We, we were not in any sense privileged family during the Yugoslav times. We were like really, really typical middle-class family, which in reality meant because we were not too big family or or too underprivileged or overprivileged. Like, we, for example, we never got an apartment from the from the country, like which lots of family. Like, this is just a stereotype that everybody would get a housing. It was it was not that e- easy as 
as as we like to think. So so like who would get apartments are the are the, the were the people who were either in power or or really closely connected to the power, or uh, the ones that were so underprivileged that, that like but the ones who were in the middle for them was actually like kind of the the the, the biggest struggle to gain any any of the, of these things. But yeah. Of course, my, my parents always fondly talk about Yugoslavia, and, and it's also the times when they when they met, when they spent their youth, and and but they're not one of those typical stories that that they met at the like one of these youth work actions or whatever it's called in English. How do people from the countries of the former Yugoslavia respond to Yugodom? I would say that that more reactions I got from abroad and internationally than than really locally. And and the whole like media attention started internationally and, and once when it was kind of when when few significant media houses spoke or or wrote about Yukodom, then kind of local media got interested. I mean, I never put any f. Neither we have like resources or or in in any sense to kind of really work on PR. It just really came on spontaneously, and we would just respond to it like same like we met today. Like it just like somebody reaches out, and we we, we just I'm I'm happy to meet anybody who 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 is interested in Yugodom. I, I I think it's kind of like um what what I mentioned in the beginning that that we that it was really important for me to inspire locally, and and we often don't really reach out to resource of our inspiration locally but we kind of look at somewhere else which is of course fine and and it's it, i mean either is fine but also talks about about like a little sort of almost complex we have nowadays here that that we don't really value we're not able to really value anything like we're so focused on criticizing everything and there is so much to criticize I, i'm completely there but also, like in 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 this cycle of being really really negative and cynical about everything, you kind of people often forget about things that are actually valuable. And even there, there are so many things that were problematic with Yugoslavia. I found something that I like, and that's design, and that's cinematography, and that's a working class that I already mentioned. As for me, it's like a people in any that that are just a figure or not even that. And that's why I felt like it's important that I give them a tribute because, like, on the end, they made all these things we, we now sit on and and, and use. Uh, so yeah, back to your question. Uh, attention from from a local community uh, came. Once when when it was justified from international one, so so that that's kind of symptomatic, I think. That said, I'd expect most of your guests to be foreigners, right? And that, of course, includes myself. Where do your guests come from? Most guests are international. Usually, that's like a northern America, a northern Western Europe, Australia. Like those are like kind of like like locations that that like I would say eighty percent of our guests are, but also we have like Northern Africa, Asia, South Africa. Like, I think by now, because now we run more than six years, we covered pretty much not every country in the world, but pretty much like every part of the world. And what about the locals? Even though, of course, not there are not so many locals, there are like really interesting stories where like locals would actually come. Like I had this. Really, I think they were even younger than me. Like they are, like a they're a couple, and one of them is in startup, other is in marketing. So they're not like 
I don't think they are Yugo nostalgic or anything. But there was there was their anniversary, and and uh, and uh, the boyfriend wanted just to give a surprise. His girlfriend didn't want to take her just like to hotel or something like that. So he booked a Yugo dom for like one night. So we do have a local people or like some people who are actually very Yugo nostalgic that are from here or like around here. Then they they book for one night for just for experience and and seeing and kind of remembering the object. But uh, booking for like uh, accommodation is not the only thing we do. We also rent the place for 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 smaller events, like this. Like we moved it bed there, and we just opened this whole space, and then it can accommodate like up to thirty people. So we had like quite a few of those. Um, also, sometimes places rented for shooting for like uh, like commercials or editorials or, or stuff like that or videos. So that's another option. And also, I leave option open when when I'm available that, that people can book for just a tour, like for an an hour tour where where like I personally guide them to through a space and and talk about objects. And usually, like it's around one hour, and then they did pick a drink from a mini bar, then we sit down, little talk, and so so yeah, there there are quite a few options available. So. We're going to have a visit from University of Belgrade, the Faculty of Anthropology, I believe. Like they have a course and their their teachers just reached out and, and asked, can he come and kind of have a live lesson here? And so we're just now finding the, the moment convenient for both of us. I mean, it's not so easy to be flexible because it's, it's, it's a small space. And then once when it's booked, it's booked. But yeah, we are we are open and, and very happy to meet anyone who, who, who is interesting to, to come. When it comes to the material culture of the former Yugoslavia, the objects, the things made there and surviving until today, I'm interested in contrasting the kitsch and the retro of it all with politics. There are uh, tour agencies that take tourists around in old Yugoslav cars, Yugos or Fichos, for example, uh, giving tours of communist or brutalist architecture, the House of Flowers and the whole Museum of Yugoslavia. So there is a political aspect to it to varying degrees. When I started Yugodom, I, I, I really strongly wanted to avoid these very obvious symbols of, of Yugoslavia, such as flag, red star, Tito. Because they are overused, They're like I've we seen them everywhere, and I just thought, okay, like this is more about design and more about storytelling. But uh, like the Tito you see here, it, it's a needle point, so it's kind of very, it's very kitschy. Like like his lips are done that like that they look like he has a lipstick on. That the frame is kind of this baroque style, and these kind of needle points are very typical of, of those times and and, and, and and lots of women back then would, would spend their free time doing those. Not only Tito, Tito was actually, I've seen many as a kid but I never saw Tito, like it was usually just like some nature, like a river, like, like pastel and, and stuff like that, flowers. So for me that was more like in that direction but I, I, I didn't want to be stubborn and be like, no, 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 I don't want a Tito, I just thought this is hilarious and funny and kitsch and kind of very storytelling. So I decided to have it. Also, I have a Yugoslav passport, which like for us is it's in the place where, where you're spending your time. Um, 
um, so-called red passport, as, as, as we call it. And, and for us, because after that passport, it came 90s and sanctions, which were very difficult. And, and we were all of a sudden isolated. So people really almost idealized this passport because like from a moment where you could travel almost any country, like now and then like you just wake up one morning and you couldn't travel to any. So yeah, it took us a long time to get back to the track that we can sort of travel freely again. So that, that, that's also like another political. But what I personally did, uh, another that, that, I mean, can obviously be interpreted politically, but it's not so obvious as, as these symbols that we just talked about, are, are, for example, the movie posters. We have in total three rooms, and each room I dedicated to different decade of cinematography. So the one you're staying at is 60s. The one we are now is 80s. And there is another one, 70s. So like, for example, 70s one is all tribute to movies from 70s, were, that were banned by government. And the thing is that these movies were funded by government completely. And then when they, when, these, when they were shown, then the government was like, oh my God, what did you give money for? So just like, okay, now you cannot show it. So it's kind of like absurd. Like, I mean, and, and also many people think that these movies wouldn't be able to, to be made today. So like today's government wouldn't give money. Today's like probably like sponsors wouldn't give money because they're too provocative. Also like the, the, the production houses wouldn't give money because it's not commercial enough. And the room we are now at is 80s. And, and that's kind of like tribute to cheesy comedies, which like in, in a kind of like a contemporary interpretation, each of them has some queer affect to it, which of course wasn't obvious back then, but all, all these things are political. We can have a look at at the posters from eighties that we already already mentioned. They are all cheesy comedies made back in eighties. Like they're kind, they're like all three of them are super super well known which kind of most people would kind of neglect in their interpretation. Like they all had some kind of queer context to it. So like one of them has like a first gay character in cinematography. Another one has a transvestite or a guy who dresses up as, 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 as a girl to go in. And then this was instructed by his boss. So, so he checks the competition company. And of course, they don't recognize him. And yeah, and in, in, in this third one is like, I mean, all the, all these things are like in, in today's context would be like super problematic in the way they're expressed. But but yeah, it was kind of just shows kind of the development of the of the society that like things were a little, little bit opening up to, to the direction as well. Peace. 
Yugoslav memorials, uh, to which I'll dedicate a number of upcoming episodes of Remembering Yugoslavia, by the way, uh, have kind of blown up in the West, from Instagram to the MoMA exhibit, and uh, the same goes for brutalist architecture. Uh, but uh, experts here uh, I've spoken with uh, critique this as uh, kind of an aestheticization or uh, objectifying, you know, turning objects into pieces of art to gaze at uh, that were products of their time, uh, signifying something, the ideology, or uh, commemorating something like the national liberation struggle and those who died fighting in that war. Uh, so here at Yugodome you have objects on display and for use that your guests will recognize in terms of the style or aesthetic and as belonging to certain historical periods, but they won't necessarily know, understand their context, their meaning. So, uh, say a Westerner may, uh, you know, see a red star on something as a sign, uh, but not necessarily understand what it signifies uh, and how Yugoslavia system may have differed from others, for example. Well, the first thing I didn't want to do is like put tags under each object. Like I didn't want it to look like a museum, but I wanted to feel like home. So that was not an option. Writing a guide would be like a really long, long guide. And I don't think really anybody would, would really read it. Another thing is that the objects change here, so then they're not always the same. And 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 like like for example, this one here, like these postcards, I I kind of change like I don't know every two months or or so, and see like maybe seasonally. Things are fluid, so I don't think it's really like, like there is like one compact guide wouldn't really be sustainable in a sense. But I'm very dedicated as much as I can and have because this is obviously not the only thing I'm doing to kind of personally meet guests. And I'm very happy every time I can either to greet them on, 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 on when they're coming or, or when, when they leave or they just show interest. We can meet during their stay. So yeah, I'm always happy just to have a dialogue and, and talk about things that interest them. What you mentioned about Spominix, I don't really see that problematic at all personally because I just think it's it's important that somebody documented it and I think it, it's better that something exists than nothing and and just people here often prefer just the critic other than to do something so I I think it's like if somebody I think that's kind of really awakening call for us if somebody had to came from US and documents I'm like why nobody from here did it even like on a very, as they say, superficial level, which I don't find it superficial. And same about Yugodom, you know, it, anybody who like, who comes here, it's not his duty to know everything about every object at all. So everybody takes for, for themselves how much they want and need and, and whatever. So, you know, it's like people come here from Australia, have no, or New Zealand, for example, like very far, have no contact with this like Serbia today Serbia or Yugoslavia they're like 25 and they say this place feels nostalgic and it doesn't feel Yugo nostalgic it just like bring brings some emotions to them like reminds them on on their home of their grandma in Australia who was not from Yugoslavia but it's a mid-century modern design here it's a bit of modern mid-century modern design there and you know it's just, just so everybody takes from from you, you know, I I wouldn't be so rigid on the kind of judging. Yeah, there is only one way that uh, there 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 is never just one way to interpret things. One thing I've noticed on my trip so far uh, through uh, Croatia, Bosnia, Montenegro, and Serbia is that apart from flea markets, it's uh, pretty much impossible to purchase objects from the Yugoslav era or their replicas. Uh, which to me suggests that the uh, Yugoslav stuff, so to speak, hasn't been commercialized a whole lot in the way um, of vintage shops, for example. 
until I came to Belgrade. The gift shop at the Museum of Yugoslavia is now several times the size I saw uh, you know, a few years ago when I visited. The Blue Train organizes ticketed trips for big anniversaries. Uh, we already mentioned uh, car tours. Um, why do you think is that? Uh, why has Yugoslavia and perhaps Yugo-nostalgia been commercialized here in Belgrade and so much more than in other ex-Yugoslav capitals? Uh, why does Yugodom exist here and not in Zagreb, say? Well, it, it's a super complex question, and, and it's much wider than two of us can cover it here, really, with a really include like a round table and probably hours of discussion. But like a few things that are coming to my mind, uh, like instantly, is that like first of all, Belgrade was the capital of Yugoslavia, so like right there, then it, it's the biggest city of of the former Yugoslavia. So I mean these. Being these two things, two things being said, you know, like explains a lot. The the museum that you mentioned existed before and exists nowadays. So like it would be very sad if we just shut it down or turn it into something else. Tito's grave is not not right next to it. I mean, it's it it good. That these things are preserved, and I guess it was a challenge during the nationalist nineties, and and the nationalism is still very alive. So, I mean, I guess, yeah, they they struggled, and as every institution of culture in this country, they do struggle. But, yeah, they're very enthusiastic, and they work a good job. I'm sure if this kind of place existed in any other city or town of, of, of former Yugoslavia, I'm sure it would be still alive. It's, it's the same thing. It just happens that it is in Belgrade. Yugodom itself could exist even if Yugoslavia existed nowadays because it's a tribute of a certain era of design. So even if Yugoslavia, maybe it wouldn't really necessarily be interesting to call it then Yugodom, maybe it would have another name, it would be just a museum of 60s, 70s, 80s, whatever. But it would, would like, I mean, in, in the exactly same form, it could exist. I was actually going to ask about that. Why is it called Yugodom if it's the tribute to just design and not the country? I, I didn't do ontology of design. I didn't do ontology of Yugoslav history. This is this is a personal designer project, and I, I had no duties over anything that that I had to. So I just play with the stuff that I personally felt attached or I found inspiring. So name itself back then, different companies would be Yugo something. So like if they made plastic, they would be Yugo plastic. If if they work with wood, they were Yugo drvo, which means wood. There was no, I mean, yeah, I'm sure actually, yeah, it did exist a different few different small companies around called Yugodom that were like either like doing, producing stuff for, for households. They all are shut down as most of these Yugo something. So, so yeah, but also like the, I think the, the, the same inspiration had, had a Dutch guy who opened here a company that, that, that also doing the cars, the, the, it's called Yugo Tour. So yeah, it's basically the same pattern that we, that we used. Given Yugodom's success, do you have plans to expand it, uh, add apartments or even houses perhaps? There was kind of a breaking point where like the, the kind of thing was growing and, and I thought of, of expanding. Uh, but I realized I don't want to do like another apartment or just apartments. And th th this size, like I can run by myself and, and two more people, like they both work, maybe we all work part time. And I didn't want to like, like one of them is getting lady, another one is, just, is a manager. So like, I didn't want to, to expand in a sense that, 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 that I need to manage the whole team. But I would like to one day, if, if, if the opportunity comes along, like, and this actually does serve as, as a prototype of my wider idea, and that's a Yugodom hotel, which would be like complete, like an entire building from the era, completely 
tribute to the design, but also being comfortable at the same time, but also like like fully inspired by Yugoslavia, but also very uh, aware of the moment and of the time we are living in. And also what I would like that hotel to have, and kind of then that would be a different from, from typical hotels, is that they actually has a one area that that would be like a museum where people could visit, like an experience, a typical Yugoslav apartment, apart from staying in a Yugodom hotel or not. So, so I mean, that idea is kind of like developed. Yeah, we're just waiting for the for the, for the right opportunity and and the, and the right setting. We are not rushing, but I completely believe that that Belgrade and the region would would really enjoy and 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 needs one one space like that. Because again, going back to the story, we have like almost every few months another hotel opens but they're all part of some like a world chain and and which is great which i mean it economically like it it's 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 it sends some statement but in 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 a sense of of developing something original creative local like i mean doesn't say really anything so Lizzy Lizzy i Happy novi proizvodi Belja pripremljeni od mlijeka i voća. Lizzy Lizzy prija i kao ledeni deser. Mliječni žele Happy s dodatkom voća koristite kao deser i kao dodatak slasticama. Dobro, bolje, belje. Yes, now we are in the master bedroom. Um, uh, let's, let's move here. I made one one part of the, of the bedroom that's tribute to Yugoslav aviation. So one is Aviogenics, which was the the like Genics, the, the the building that you mentioned, like it's just the symbol of how powerful they they were as a company, and also they were so like they they were tourist company, so they were power, so powerful that at one point they were just like oh we have so much money like let's buy some planes. And then what they did, they were kind of like a company that would rent these planes to, 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 to different like airlines when they kind of, I don't know, either abroad their plane breaks or, or they, need, they need more. Just so, so they would send entire crew, plane plus the pilots plus the, 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 the flight attendants and everything. Of course, yeah, aviogenics doesn't exist any longer. Another thing that doesn't exist any longer by its name is Yacht, which is Yugoslav airline transport company that nowadays is Air Serbia. Um, and I have a few objects here that are they are from Yacht, like a little tray that was used on airplanes, keychains that were symbols and were given to, to like employees. <laughs> then like for overseas flight, they, they had, of course, as, as, as we have nowadays, like the the little, how you call it, kit with, with like all the, all the like a cam and, and toothbrush and stuff. So, so everything is included. Yeah, like TV, radio with a clock. Obviously, like one, one of the things like that I did cover a little bit through, through the Yugodom is sexuality. So like the, these little the frames that we are standing now in front of are the pinup girls from 70s and there was a magazine that would like was like going out once a month and in the middle of it like you would get like eight of these girls that you could cut and then just like the, these are those those photos um and also like above there is like these love postcards which i never completely understood 
because like that's how they worked like you buy a postcard at at a kiosk and you write your loved one but on the photos are some other people that you don't even know so like for me it doesn't make any sense but it was an actual thing when my stay at Yugodom came to a close, I walked down to the street feeling as though I left a time capsule in the middle of Belgrade, only to enter another when my bus crossed the Sava River to New Belgrade, a vast development built up since the late 1940s. As I got off at Hotel Yugoslavia, built on the Danube in the 1960s, and walked to the best Burek fast food joint in town, I knew I'd return, as I always do, to continue my journey across space and time. I'll send you a postcard. Find links, photos, and videos referenced in this episode in the show notes, and subscribe to the podcast at rememberingyugoslavia.com slash podcast. Support the Remembering Yugoslavia podcast on Patreon at patreon.com slash rememberingyugoslavia. Transcript by Zorica Popovic. Outro music courtesy of Robert Petric. Special thanks to Rebecca Schlesinger. I am Peter Korchniak. Ciao.